Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Good Sunday morning. Week 13, college football is in the books. This is Winning Cures Everything. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And lots to discuss from Thanksgiving weekend. Good Lord, what a a debacle most of this weekend was. You and I... uh, Losing weeks again, and mine was significantly worse than yours. You at least got that LSU cover, right? The back door. Yep. Yeah, I went, what, three and four? Yeah, I went uh, two and eight. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, it, it was it was bad. That's painful. <laughs> it was so bad. The only ones I had cover were the, uh, some of the damn team totals. <laughs> like, I'm glad I bet those, though. I, got, I had a feeling about those, but, man, I was way off on some of the other stuff. Uh, good gracious. All right, uh, you guys know what to do. WinningCuresEverything.com. Uh, this is a podcast exclusive, by the way. So uh, we appreciate you for listening. So uh, this will not be on YouTube or Facebook or, or whatever else. But, uh, but yeah, go on to WinningCuresEverything.com. Check it out. All of our picks, previews, podcasts, videos, social media platforms, etc. We do a live show Monday, Wednesday, Friday on our channel. And those are on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, and Twitch. And we also do... Two podcast exclusives every week. We do a Sunday recap show for the college football weekend. We do a Thursday college football viewing guide. And we also do three shows a week on college football gambling content over at sportsbookreview.com. You can find those at sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF. Or uh, just go over to YouTube and search out SBR Picks, and you can find it right there. Uh, we've got a couple of articles that go up every week as well, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, man, uh, uh Go ahead and hit review on that podcast, by the way, since you're listening to it, and help us out with that. Share the show out, all that good stuff. Let's uh, let's dive into the weekend that was, and man, Friday, like I'm, I'm going to start with this one. Friday, I was about as irate as you could possibly be about a team that I don't really care that much about. But I, I, I understand where Texas fans are coming from because they are all 
tired of the shit, right? It, this was a complete debacle, and, it, and it's like this every game. But it, it felt like they were moving at least in, in a good direction. And this late in the season, even in a weird COVID year, it felt like they were moving in the right direction. You've got a senior quarterback. These guys are not young and inexperienced, and it's not due to lack of practice time. It's not due to blah, 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 blah. This was just incredibly terrible coaching calls throughout the entire second half of this game against Iowa State. Iowa State ends up winning 23-20, to but it was... Uh, the defense did what you needed them to do to be able to get this win. And the coaching staff lost the game. Uh, Now, the players made some bad decisions because they were put in bad situations. But, man, this was just an all-around failure by by Texas to not be able to close this game out. uh, I I know that you were on Iowa State, uh, but I, I, I do think it is time for Tom Herman to go. Like, I know it's a weird COVID year. And I know that we said before the season that, hey, uh, this is not the year to be firing people. It's going to be weird stuff all over the place. But, man, the decisions that were made from that sideline were atrocious. They were absolute uh, coaching malpractice is what we'll call it. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Like, we can go line by line if we want to. The, the fake punt, the going forward on fourth and one when you could kick a field goal to go up by a touchdown – the just all across the board, it was bad decision after bad decision, and it it ultimately cost them the ball game because of course Brock Purdy drives them down the field. He was twenty five out of thirty six, three hundred twelve yards, one touchdown. The defense did okay. They held Brees Hall under a hundred yards rushing for the first time all season. Like no other team had been able to do that, or to, yeah, no other team had been able to do that. Uh, you know, Iowa State thirty three carries, one hundred twenty one yards total. You know. 3.7 yards per carry. At Texas's offense, you know, 303 yards passing, 145 yards rushing. Like, this was supposed to be okay. Like, the the, the game was there for them to win, and they cost themselves. I'm going to let you talk now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I, I, I never... I never want to be the person to out folks. Okay. I think that is wrong. And we live in a world in which people should be able to make their own claims about themselves when they feel safe and comfortable and ready. But Gary, you and I've been doing this show for five years now, and there hasn't been a single damn year where you haven't picked Texas to win the big 12 and to make the college playoffs. I think you're a Texas fan. You sound exactly like Texas fan. You're a closeted Texas fan and I'm outing you right now. Okay. Because you sound just like all the rest of the Texas fans that used to give me shit on Twitter all day long. No, no, no. This is so. So let me let me confirm this, right? So uh, Texas is a blue blood. I do think that college football is better when they are a good program. However, uh, I just I cannot believe that this program is as bad as they are. And it's not that they are awful, right? I mean, they're five and three. I mean, they're whatever. But they cost themselves games so many times. It's not that I am a Texas fan. It's that I thought that the hiring well, of Tom five, Herman. In five years, you've only picked one other team to win their conference and make the playoffs every year, and that's Alabama. You've consistently five years straight picked Alabama to win their conference and make the playoffs. Did, and I, pick did Texas. I pick Texas this year? I thought I picked yes, Iowa State. You've picked, hell no, you picked it. That was your, that was your uh, a sleeper. Sleeper pick. I okay. was your sleeper pick, but either but. way, yeah, I I thought Texas this year. Sam Ellinger, I thought he was going to show up. I thought 
I thought Tom Herman was a better coach than this. And that's that's the whole thing. I thought Herman was a good coach. I thought he was the right coach for this job. I I was so incorrect on this. I can't even describe how bad uh that that hire was. Like and it's not again, Texas is not the dregs that they were under Charlie Strong and uh, uh who like at the tail end of Mac Brown's tenure there, right? They're not that bad. But they should be significantly better. They shouldn't be costing themselves games. They had 50-plus blue-chip athletes on their roster. Iowa State has four. Like, this is absurd. Now, I don't know who they can go get. I, I was doing a little live stream test yesterday on, on YouTube and had some guys asking, like, who, you know, who do you think should get that job? And, I, you know, I have no idea. If you can't go get Urban Meyer, is anybody going to be really better than Tom Herman? And, yes, there are obviously options out there, but... Man, who on earth uh, will will they end up going to get? Like, do you have any options like that, that they no, could? No, uh, this is my this has always been my issue with the Auburn fans wanting to fire Gus all the damn time. Like, it sounds good to want to fire the guy you're you're leaving. You you won't gone. Okay, that sounds normal and that sounds right and that it makes you feel better to say get your ass out of here and don't ever come back. But all right, now who's going to fill the seat? You know, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the issue, and that's the problem. Is 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 you're expecting somebody to come in and be magical, and that's just not how this stuff works. Urban you know? Meyer is is a good fit for it. This is the kind of job that he has taken in the past, right? Like the the Ohio State, the Florida, those teams that are coming off of the tail end of you know a not good situation, and he can immediately flip that switch and and get them more organized and not making awful decisions and whatever. Uh, however, I don't know that he, I don't know if he wants to coach, you know? So if they're hitching their wagon to that, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know who they go get. I have no idea. There are obviously still bigger issues there. Um, Herman was a significantly better coach at Houston I felt like than he was or than he has been at Texas. Like I think they're he overthinks they're things. They're different jobs, Gary. Yeah, they're no, they certainly jobs. are. They certainly are. And this is and so so I live in the corporate world. Okay, I live in the business world. All right, this is what I've done since I was I don't know twenty four years old, twenty five years old. I hire people and I manage people and I hire other people to manage other people. Okay. And and there is a philosophy of management out there that I am extremely keen to. I I have worked for the last 11 years, 12 years, honing every skill I have into not making this mistake right here. People constantly get promoted to a point of failure. Yes. And I make it very important that I never, ever, ever do that. Okay. Because not only have you lost a very, you have to fire somebody who was exceptional at their previous job. You don't ever get the opportunity to demote them back to the thing that they were exceptional at because that just doesn't work. In football, in sports, we see this all the time. OCs and DCs are exceptional at those jobs. And then we promote them to head coach and they are laughably bad at it. And all the time, we see guys go from the little schools to the big schools and they are laughably bad at it. 
And at some point in time, and there's no way to know, there's no way to, 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 to see is this person, one of these people that we promoted to the point of failure in sports, a lot of times in, in, in business and in, in, in corporate world, there's a lot of red flags to tell you just because you're a really good hourly worker doesn't mean you have leadership skills or you don't have, I hate the word leadership skills because that's just a different rant altogether, but, but you don't have the abilities. You don't have the things that make you a good manager um, just because you're really good at your hourly job. Um, and so you have to look for those things. I think at some point in time, these athletic directors have to start looking for things that, that identify head coaches to be better at what they are before you just start promoting up. I said from day one, second one, I loved Chad Morris at SMU. I thought he was very good at SMU. I thought he was going to be a huge embarrassing failure at Arkansas. And I said it on this show because Arkansas is not the same job as SMU. Yeah. It's just not. And if you think, and then the fact that he wanted to bring his staff from SMU, no, 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 no. Just cause those guys could draw up defenses in the American doesn't mean they can draw up defenses in the sec. Just because you can scheme up offensive play calling in the American doesn't mean just cause you can recruit in Dallas doesn't mean you can recruit in Fayetteville. You're not kidding the same kids. You're not, you're not trying to sell the same product. Just well, that's, because that's you what can Herman sell insurance did. doesn't yeah. mean you can sell houses. They ain't the same. Yeah, that's that's what Herman did with you know his first staff was he brought his dudes from Houston. And yes, and that's you can't do that. You, I, I always get afraid of of coaches that bring their whole uh, um, their whole coaching staff over. Who who recently just did that? There was another coach that was hired this past off season that I criticized and I said this scares me. This guy's not going to be good because. Not only are they coming over unexperienced and, and never doing this job, but they're bringing everybody from their previous staff with them. I don't remember who it was. I'm curious if I'm even right on that because now I don't even know the take. No, no, no. But, I, I know what you're talking about, and yes, you're you're right. I, I don't remember the school, but yes, a lot of them do bring their assistant coaches and all that. And yeah, this because is the you, first year you didn't that, you didn't get to the place of your success on your own, and you feel like you owe it to the people that helped you get there. But the but the thing is 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 that OC has to be okay with coming with you, but but being the quarterback coach, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get paid a hell of a lot more because it's a big school. But his do, do you care about your paycheck, or do you care about your title? Because I got to now I'm in the big boy chair at a big boy school, and I have to hire people that are competent at this, and 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 I anyway this is a long rant of saying I. I, I thought Herman was probably going to be a really good coach. I didn't foresee him being this bad. I don't think he's as bad as you're making it out to be. I thought that the game was – I thought both teams coached very sloppy in the red zone. Okay? That, yeah, that yeah. Was, they, were, like, they were black, like bad Texas, play call. Texas, yeah. most of the mistakes that I saw Texas make, I also saw Iowa State make, which was all the red zone play calling. That, that That's the only place – I didn't like the fake punt, but I can't tell you a single time where a fake punt has ever not worked when I was like, you know what? I liked at least going for that there. So, so that's, that's kind of hard to, to judge and to assess. Um, and, and the not going for it on fourth and one, you know, I, if, if you don't think you can get it and you go for it, man, you, you got a problem then, then you've lost the game. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the, what this that's was. That's the difference. Right? Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it all across the board, it was just they could have made uh, more conservative decisions that would have 
made it easier to win the game. Instead, you are keeping Iowa State in it, and there's no reason to. Like, I understand coaching aggressively. I don't understand coaching aggressively when it has failed you time after time after time, and you can be a little more conservative if they had just kicked the ball back to Iowa State instead of going for uh, that fourth and eight fake punt. Like, and, and if you're going to go forward on fourth and eight, my God, don't throw a ball behind the line of scrimmage and make him run eight yards. Like, it, it just it's stupid decisions that that made zero sense that cost them their shot to really win this game. They gave Iowa State a chance, and you cannot do that against a team coached by Matt Campbell that's, and quarterbacked and by and Brock Purdy. And that's the reason I liked Iowa State in this game. Yeah. I liked I couldn't have predicted how the game came out or whatever. But, but I said, Iowa State's going to play consistent. They're going to play steady, and they're going to constantly continue to put pressure on Texas. And when Texas makes a mistake, Iowa State's going to then take over, and they're going to capitalize on that mistake. And then Iowa State is going to play 60 minutes of virtually mistake-free football. They're not going to turn the ball over, and they're not going to beat themselves with penalties. And and that happened 100%. And I'm not magic. I know that because I've watched Matt Campbell coach for for two to three years at a pretty close level and and seen – how his teams play. They get outmanned a lot. You talked about how the Billies and the Joes on Texas are just so much better. At some point in time, that doesn't matter if those guys make mistakes and play sloppy and the other guys just don't. Yeah. No, you're, this is, you're right. This is the definition of the tortoise in the hair. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Iowa you're State dead just on. keeps doing what they do and they wait for you to dick around. And at some point in time, the race is over and they've won. Yeah, it, it was – yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, look, Texas scored 13 points in the first quarter. Yep. And then from there, Iowa State kicked a field goal. Texas scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Iowa State kicked a field goal. Iowa State kicked a field goal. And Iowa State scored a touchdown at the very end. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they came out perfect game plan early. Uh, but, man, they, they did not look good in the red zone. They had to kick two field goals. Like, it just uh, – just ridiculous. So – so Iowa State gets the win, and they lock up their position for well, at almost lock up. They're almost there. I think. I think that locks they not it up. locked it up. I mean, they're Everybody seven and one. Everybody else has two conference losses, and they only have one. They they don't have the tiebreaker with Oklahoma State, so they have to win one more game. So that's that's the only issue. I, Oklahoma State has got, but Oklahoma uh, State has two losses, right? Yeah, Oklahoma State has two losses. Oh, okay. But, so if they got a second loss, they would lose that tiebreaker. Exactly. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. Okay. And, then, that and then it would be. I was trying to do math in my head. I was like, wait a minute. They only play one more game, right? <laughs> yeah, only one more game. I think um, if they've got a one game lead on everybody, they can't lose it with one game. And it's and it's West Virginia. So yeah, they've only know, got a half game lead basically on Oklahoma State. You got it. You got it. So they, they need to win this last one and they will wrap it up. And I, I don't know exactly how the tiebreaker would work with that. You know, I, it, we had it set up where if Texas won that it was going to be Oklahoma Texas, and Texas. Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, it's so long as everybody won out accordingly and whatnot. But, yeah, Oklahoma State still has a shot here. So, uh, let's move on, and let's talk about we, – we spent a long time on that, so we won't spend as long on these other games. Uh, Notre Dame, 34-17 to 17 over North Carolina, and this was uh, about as ass-whipping as you can get with – or, sorry, 31-17. to 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, had, I wrote you it down that. wrong. You uh, said that, right? I think I said 34. but uh, I, but 30, said, I heard 31, but I know the score, so I might have been yeah. hearing what I think the answer is. <laughs> 31 <laughs> to 17, they shut them out in the second half. The, the Tar Heels 
had no answer for that Notre Dame defense. North Carolina, 30 carries for 87 yards. That's 2.9 yards per carry. Michael Carter still had 7.1 yards per carry, but Sam Howell, 11 rushes for two yards. Javante Williams, 11 carries for 28 yards. Uh, Sam Howell, 17 out of 27, 211 yards and one touchdown, and he did most of his damage early. Like, yep. this was they, their scripted plays worked great right out the gate, and then Notre Dame just took over. And the offensive line looked good. Kyron Williams, 23 carries, 124 yards, two touchdowns. He uh, he also caught four passes for 20 yards and a touchdown. Like, he was uh, Mr. Do-It-All on offense. Ian Book looks good, 23 out of 33, 279, one touchdown. Uh, this was just dominating fashion for a team. He ran the ball oh, yeah. way better than I was expecting. This is the first game that I have, and I've watched a lot of Notre Dame football. I guess I just never... I, I never watched him run the football like he did in this game. He he's done it a lot. But I, I know he I know he's scrambled, but like there were a bunch of design runs. Uh, yeah, I've they, seen him I, I've seen him have big scrambles. I don't know that I've ever paid attention and seen him have any design runs the way they did. He, so it when the matchup dictates, right? In in North Carolina, very uh they are very aggressive on the outside trying to get to the quarterback. So if you have a designed run and you know that your dudes can block right in the middle, then yep. absolutely. And he did have some designed runs where he saw pressure coming from like the left side and he knew the right was going to be completely wide open. Wide open. Like, yep. Yeah. He he this, had this North Carolina looked like LSU football early on. They just abandoned the edge yeah. quickly quickly and if rather Ian got there or one of the running backs got there if you got there man you, you're talking 15 yards and nobody's touching you yep it, it was a incredible game plan uh Tommy Reese as an offensive coordinator has been a very pleasant good. surprise man he's young but he is really really good at this and of course Clark Lee with that that Mike Elko defense that was built you know years ago it, they just keep on rocking man it, this is a fantastic football team like, I, yep. they, the only game that they have left is what? Uh, they've, oh, they've, they've Wake got Forest. Two, Wake Forest and Syracuse. They got Syracuse this week and then at Wake on December 12th. And, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. We're going to see what happens. But I, I would imagine they are going to win those easily, and they will be undefeated going into the ACC championship game. And, uh, and it looks like it'll be Clemson. But, you know, I, there's nobody else that has a shot, I don't believe. But he, uh, I guess Miami, maybe, if, if Clemson takes one more L. But, you know, Clemson's got, what, Virginia Tech? I mean, yeah. just we'll, we'll get to the ACC once we do our, our rapid-fire recap and whatnot. But, yeah, Notre Dame, fantastic ball game. Uh, there was there was never any real issue. Like, in the first half, it, it looked kind of tight, and then they just shut it down in the second half. Like, North Carolina could do nothing. Yep. Nothing. Uh, third topic I wanted to bring up. This isn't a game. This is not a result. Uh, Ohio State had their game against Illinois canceled. Ryan Day tested positive for COVID. Wisconsin had their game against Minnesota canceled due to COVID issues at Minnesota. So Wisconsin is no longer eligible for the Big Ten Championship. And Ohio State is one game away from not being able to play for the Big Ten title. I am very curious what the playoff committee is going to do here. I would imagine, so long as Ohio State does not lose another game, uh that they are going to get in, no problem. But if they do lose another game and they can't even play for their own conference title, like there's nothing that says that the playoff committee cannot take them if they only play, you know, five or six games, period. But 
this is we this is a weird year, man. <laughs> we already knew it was going to be a weird year, but I'm curious your thoughts on this. You know, they it's a TV show. We know the playoff is a TV show, and they want those Ohio State ratings. But man, I I don't know who you would put in there in place of them. But it just it feels kind of wrong to not have like Cincinnati or Texas A and M or whoever. Uh, to not have them in when you've got a team like Ohio State that that may only get to play five or six games. Yeah, you. I'm going to tell you that I think they're going to still put them in, and and I think they're 100 percent wrong. Yeah, I agree. And this is this is not the Ohio State hate. This is not anything like that. This is this is flat out. You you cannot in a year that is weird as hell just say. Because if you're going to do that, then why did we even play a season? Why didn't we just say we're going to put Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and and a fourth person in, and we're just going to let them play for a championship because we want to see this? Because that's all you're doing. That's all you're doing is just saying this is the reason we had this season was so we could watch these guys do this thing. And so even though they didn't complete the season the way they were supposed to, you know, it may be no fault of their own. I'm, this is not a quote unquote punishment. This is at some point in time, you have to have played games. And then the other things will come into. So, so let's look at resume then. All right. So let's say, let's look at the games they did play. They have one good win on their schedule and that's it. And that one good win isn't a great win. And it, they didn't win it in dominating fashion. So, so if we're just going resume alone, we're literally only taking them because they're Ohio State. Because they don't have a win against a team that has a has a winning record except for Indiana. Yeah, no, and, and they won't have one. Like and they won't have one because everybody else they play all has losing records. Yeah. The rest of the way through. And that's once again, not their fault. But at some point in time, we have to just we, we can't just lie to ourselves. We can't just say, well, we're doing this because of Ohio State. We have to say, we have to give some kind of logical reason, logical explanation as to why they deserve to be there. And, and there's and, there's a chance, by the way, that they will not have uh enough players for Michigan State next week. So it, it it is entirely I know that possible. Because because the Big Ten made it to where you gotta miss three damn weeks. Oh yeah. And and on top so so we have talked about this. Uh you you and I believe that they will schedule Ohio State and Wisconsin for that championship game Saturday. Yeah. Just just to have well, that they'll extra schedule game. they'll schedule Ohio State against whatever the second place team is. Yeah. Just to and just I to give them a that shot. Second place team's gonna be a Wisconsin. That that makes sense. I mean, that they're going to play that. They're going to play that that weekend. Everybody in the Big Ten's playing that weekend. They just they just made a rule that you can't play for the championship if you don't get six games in. Yeah, they they initially said that it was going to be you know one versus one is the Big Ten title game, but then there's and then two versus two and three versus three and four versus four, and they're going to do yeah. it by winning percentage. But they also stipulate it. They didn't change this. This was always the policy. They also stipulated that in order to be one versus one, you have to at least get six games in. Yeah, yeah. And that's, Ohio State's not going to get six. I can't help it. I can't well, change it, that. So, well, they they if they do end up playing against Michigan State, then then they will. Right? They'll they'll get Michigan no. State and they'll get Michigan because that they've only. But missed we don't two. we don't know that. We yeah, don't we don't know, know that because now you got to hope those other teams don't get the Rona. Yeah, no, that's true. That is. True. I mean, it takes two to dance. 
And if they don't get them, you know, that was with Wisconsin missing those two straight weeks, like it was always predicated on, okay, like is everybody else going to be fine? And Minnesota this week uh, had issues and they couldn't play against Wisconsin. You know, Mississippi State, they are one of those teams. I'm curious if Ohio State or, or some of these teams could do this if if they can just show up with less scholarship athletes, right? Nope, like if nope, you've got nope, 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 and nope. Because the the SEC and the Big Ten have different sets of rules. No, they yeah. cannot. This is this is a Big Ten rule to where they have to have so many players. The SEC says you can back I thought the SEC rule said you had to have so many players. The SEC rule says you can opt out. You can opt out. You have the option of opting out. Unless they change their rules, the Big Ten says you have to have so many players because of safety. If, I'm telling you, I told you we were going to do all this shit because of safety. Yeah. Yeah. And it, don't get me wrong. Like, I am, I'm not upset at all about this. I, uh, I'm just glad we're getting football in any form because I, I want the kids to have a chance to compete. Like, I, I'd send, Yeah, I'd but send you this. know how I feel about the Big Ten stuff. The oh, Big yeah. Ten made it punitive. They yes. made their policy punitive just to screw these kids because how dare these kids challenge them when they tried to cancel the season. How dare they challenge them? And so, oh, you want to play? We're going to make it so damn hard for you to play. We're going to make this so miserable. You'll never challenge us again on anything. I had a, uh, I, I sent out a tweet on Friday because there were a lot of people poking fun at Nebraska. And obviously, we all enjoyed doing that, right? They, it, we we kind of like picking on Nebraska a little bit. But I, I sent out a tweet Friday that got a little more reaction than I anticipated. Uh, and it was retweeted by a ton of high school coaches and a couple of uh, assistant coaches at the college level and all that, where I basically said, you know, I know it's fun to poke, you know, fun at Nebraska and whoever else that's that's not playing well this year that they really fought for a season, but I'm glad that they fought for a season to give these kids a chance to play. Like I, I know it is it's not fun being one and four, but it's a lot better being one and four as opposed to being O and O and just sitting at home. And there were a lot of coaches that retweeted that and shared it out and, and said amen and, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I think that's the biggest thing out of this is you know, we, we can complain about, you know, well, they're not going to have enough games. And, and it, no, the playoff is hardly ever fair and all that. But but I am glad that we are getting football, you know. No, I'm not, I'm not opposed to us getting football. But, but it, it, I just don't mind calling out the people that, that I think have, have been assholes in this. And people, I don't, it's not about winning and losing. Yeah, no, no, I, is, I agree with this you. Is, yeah. And these are, these are not players either. These are not coaches. These are administrators. These are grown adults that were called out for their wrongness, Okay. They flat out used a pandemic for some type of weird ass political ploy and they were willing to be pawns and puppets and they were willing to sacrifice these kids in their season, um, you know, and, and, and to do it. And that's, and that's, you know, that is what it is. They got to live in the bed they made. But once these kids called them out on it and fought like hell to get to play, those adults then acted like the petty ass children that they are. And they said, okay, we're going to let you play, but we're going to make it so hard. We're going to make it so uncomfortable that you're going to regret ever doing this. Yeah, you you basically will be punished if you test positive. They've they've made this thing punitive. That's the word I'm going to continue to use because it's the only word I know to describe it on how they do it. I'm going to punish you over to an extent to where you never, ever challenge me again. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of... That is the situation. Let's uh, let's stay in the Big Ten. Let's talk about another game uh, that that went differently than we expected. And man, 
Michigan State 29, Northwestern 20. This was weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, Peyton Ramsey, 21 out of 43, 210 yards, only 4.9 yards per pass. He had two interceptions, no touchdowns. Uh, rushing the ball, like obviously they have had issues running the football all season. 37 carries for 63 yards. That's 1.7 yards per carry. They did have three touchdowns doing that. But, you know, they, they let this thing get away from them early. They fought back to, to get back in the game. They had a lead, 20-17. to 17. Michigan State goes down, kicks a field goal. They get the ball back again. They go down, they kick a field goal. Uh, last play of the game was, uh, was that, what, interception return for a touchdown or whatever yeah, it was? Yeah, a fumble return a fumble for a touchdown. Return. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it just, you know... This is not – after Northwestern handled Wisconsin the way they did, uh, you kind of expected this defense to show up a little more. Michigan State is just one of the weirdest teams this year to be able to figure out. Like, it, they, it makes no sense. Michigan State had 362 yards of offense. They ran for 195 yards on 47 carries. That's, that's only 4.1 yards per rush, but that's still more than – uh, than Michigan State typically does, and it's way more than Northwestern ever gives up. Like, this well, was a all, weird... so much of those runs came on big, big third downs, and they all came from Rocky Lombardi. Yep, yep. If it was third and 10 or third and 11, you could just bet your... Or third and 16 or third and 20-something happened all day long. You could bet your sweet ass that Rocky Lombardi was going to get that first down. He ran 10 times for 65 yards, and I just... I mean... It, look, it, no other game this year has he done that at all. Uh, against nope. Rutgers, he had seven carries for negative four yards. Against Michigan, five for 19. Against Iowa, five for negative 21. Against Indiana last week, two for negative 11. Indiana nope. shut this offense down two weeks ago, and and Northwestern could not shut them down. Now, I, a lot of this had to do with the turnovers, right? Northwestern had four, and Michigan State only had one. But this was, like, I did not see this coming. At all. No, I didn't either, and I should have, because every game Northwestern has played so far, I have not been impressed with Peyton Ramsey. And I continue to just give him the benefit of the doubt of saying, okay, all right, he's still learning this offense, and these receivers are, aren't used to this, and, and this is all new to them. And so, you know, he'll he'll figure this thing out, and they're going to get it rolling and whatever. And and at some point in time, you got to stop lying to yourself. I've been an LSU fan my entire life, well, since the 10th grade most of my life. And I can tell you that this looks exactly like every LSU team I've ever seen, except for last year's team, which is they are exceptionally good football team at every point of the game, except for quarterback. They're a quarterback away from being real, real good. I'm, Peyton I'm Ramsey, curious. Peyton uh, Ramsey's not good at football. What? So, so I know that this was a weird off season and all that, and he transferred and everything, but he is. Uh, He's not accurate. That has nothing to do with accuracy. Well, no, and he no, no, makes no. really bad decisions as well. They they picked him up because they thought he was a smart kid that made smart decisions. This guy throws into coverage all the time, all the time. Well, hold on. let me let me talk about what what his career stats have been uh, up to this point. You know, he didn't play all of last year. He did play pretty much all of 2018. That's um, right. And in 2017, you know, he played uh, a pretty significant amount. He, he threw more in 2017 than he already has this season. Uh, he was 134 out of 205. That's 65% uh, with 1,200 yards with 10 touchdowns, 5 picks in 2017. In 2018, he threw 447 times, 66% completion. So it went up 
2,800 yards, or almost 2,900, um, 19 touchdowns, 13 picks in 2018. In 2019, he filled in for Michael Penix, 204 out of 300, that's 68% completion percentage, 2,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, only five interceptions. This year, his completion percentage is 59% on 198 passes, only 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, six interceptions. Like, he has gotten uh, significantly worse this season at Northwestern than he ever was at Indiana. I'm I'm curious if this just has to do with, you know, a new a new core, a new offense, a new everything, and he just you know, we're we're late enough in the season now that he should have the hang of this. Yep. But it he just he seems to be getting worse as yes, the season he goes seems on. Seems to regressing. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of that. So you know, that when you are Northwestern and you are limited in what you are capable of doing, you cannot give the other team the ball four times. Nope. And, uh, and and you can't afford to overlook any opponents. That's the biggest thing, right? They're just not talented That's enough it. to be able to overlook anybody. And this was a definite, I mean, big-time emotional letdown spot for them. It's coming off of a massive win over Wisconsin. You think that you've got the, uh, uh, the, the East wrapped up, or West, excuse me, the West wrap, uh, wrapped up. You know, I and now I don't know what to make of, of what they've got left. Like I, I got no idea. I don't I don't know what Northwestern team is going to show up. They're five and one. They went out and they go to the Big Ten title game. They've got Minnesota this week. They've got Illinois the week after that. I would assume that they should be able to handle those. Uh, the The Minnesota game is going to be tougher than I think they they think it's going to be. Well, and we got to see if Minnesota is able to play. That's know? it. If Minnesota can't play, it's the best thing for Northwestern. Yeah, I think so. I think they'll be able to handle Illinois. I think they'll beat Illinois. I think they'll beat Illinois handily. But Minnesota this week, that's that's where it gets a little screwed. But this this uh, like our boys even still, at Wisconsin's Lot, out. Wisconsin can't do the the Big Ten title game. So it, no, you know, they can't. So you don't matter. have to worry about that. Uh, you're, it's just it's just Minnesota, and and Purdue. Well, Purdue lost too, so that you know helps. Yeah, yeah, it helps. So I yeah maybe maybe they are wrapped up. Maybe maybe it's good to go. They ain't got to worry about nothing. But uh oh man, just it you hate it because obviously like we're we are what, semi homers? No, I'm I'm a hundred percent a homer. Okay. I'm a hundred percent homer. I love this team. Our our Westlot Pirates boys have fully converted us into Wildcats. Yes, like, we yes, are one hundred percent. If my kids are, are are smart enough to go to school there, that's where they will be going to school if they want me to pay for it. Yeah, yeah, I I could get with that. So and I mean, that this, is a this gorgeous. Is, I'm, I'm all campus. in. I love this team. I love this campus. I love those people, and 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 I'm a hundred percent in. But I'm not. I'm not ever going to lie to myself. I never lie to myself about my LSU fandom. I, I I know what's good is good and what's bad is bad. And 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 Peyton Ramsey. I I don't care what he did in the past. You know me. I don't give a shit what you did yesterday. What are you doing today? Because today he's not good. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He's definitely not. Uh, they do have Iowa is sitting right behind them at four and two. Wisconsin yeah. is only so two can, and one. They, so they've got the tiebreaker. They'd have to lose both of them, and Iowa would have to win both of them. Yeah, that's so. That's the thing. If they would have to lose them both for them to get passed by Iowa, and Iowa still has Illinois and Wisconsin left. So. Yeah, yeah. I bet they and Iowa's got the whiskey game, and that's the that's the tough one. You have got that right. All right, let's uh, let's move into uh, the SEC right quick. The biggest game of the day where game day was and all that good stuff was the Iron Bowl down in Tuscaloosa. We won't spend long on this because there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. 
Uh, Alabama wins 42-13. to Bo Nix uh, for Auburn, 23 out of 38, 227 yards, two interceptions. Um, he had one touchdown rushing, but uh, on the day, nine carries for negative one yards. Uh, Tank Bigsby did get to play a little bit, but you could tell he obviously had some issues. He 11 carries, 39 yards for him. Uh, Mark Anthony Richards, who has played very little all season, he got the duration of the carries in the second half. He had 14 carries for 57 yards. Uh, Mac Jones, 18 out of 26, 302 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, the guy showed out in this game. Najee Harris, 11 carries for 96 yards. That's an average of 8.7. Um, you know, he had a touchdown, so he added to his uh, FBS leading statistic. He's got 17 rushing touchdowns in eight games. Uh, Devontae Smith is just a monster you know, Alabama did what they do. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people kind of expected this, regardless of whether Saban was there. Uh, and this, you know, this gets them set up. Uh, they are, they would have to lose both games from here on. Now, we do have the LSU game that has been rescheduled. We hadn't gotten to talk about that yet. But they do have that game, and they do have uh, Arkansas. So, Alabama would have to lose both of those, and Texas A&M went out uh, in order for A&M to go to the SEC championship game. Uh, so, I think that this is a wrap. But, um uh, did you watch any of this? Nope. Nope. There, there wasn't a whole lot worth watching. <laughs> it was. I know. It was domination. So, um, this wasn't close to the best game in the SEC. Not close. It. Uh. It was. It was the biggest game because it was the only one between two ranked teams. I but guess. that doesn't. But that, that doesn't, doesn't matter. Yeah. That I, just doesn't matter. I agree. I agree. All right. We'll move into the Pac-12. The Friday night game was an absolute monster. Uh, I know that you watched this. I had to listen to it on my drive home from Jemison. Um, Oregon goes down in humiliating fashion, I guess we could say, 41-38 to to Oregon State. And at some point, we had to have seen this coming. This was not due to the Oregon offense. This was the Oregon defense. They could do basically nothing to stop this Oregon State attack. 269 rushing yards from the Beavers, 263 passing yards. Oregon State put up 532 total yards in this game. They were 4 out of 6 on fourth down. They were 6 out of 16 on third down. They were, uh, it looked like the better football team. Oregon turned the football over three times. This was uh, this was a fun game to watch. Oregon State outscored Oregon 22-7 to in the fourth quarter. And we, we still had, you know, even with the fact that this was a fantastic game and a lot of fun and all that, we did have our our weekly, it feels like, officiating blunder in this game. And and yet Oregon State was still able to uh to pull this thing out and, and get it taken care of. I I thought it was a, a fun game. You know, yeah. tell me tell me your thoughts here. No, it was good. It was fun and Oregon State is much improved and uh a lot of fun to watch. That run game is pretty pretty good pretty pretty exciting and um the fog helped it was a it was a cool pacific northwest um kind of a kind of experience jamar jefferson uh for oregon state 29 carries 226 yards that kid's so touchdowns. fast oh he's that unreal. Kid's so fast he is just ridiculous uh this i i gotta tell you this team and this coaching staff jonathan smith he was the so he played at Oregon State. He yep. was the offensive coordinator for Chris Peterson at Washington. And Washington's offenses completely tanked after he left. They were they were not good. And 
and Peterson, of course, eventually just retired and said, you know what, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I I think it and now obviously this kid is an alum from there, Jonathan Smith. But man, I think he could end up setting himself up for some pretty big coaching jobs, like going forward, if he ever wants to leave Corvallis. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, the nice thing is is once you're in a big a power five school, even if you're in one of the small ones, because of the amount of TV money that comes in, there's no reason a power five school should ever lose a coach to another power five school if they really want to keep them. So you would have to lose it to somebody who thinks they can go win a national champion somewhere that thinks they can't win it at that school. But it won't be because of money, because the, these Pac-12 schools, they're, they're crap in cash just like this. Now, not close to the amount of money, but here's the thing. The percentage that the coaches are getting, it, it ain't a whole lot different. You yeah, know? yeah. Like the highest paid coach in the world is what, making $9 million? Like these schools are still getting enough money to where they could pay somebody $9 million. Let's see, Jonathan Smith. If you want to make them the highest paid coach in, in college football. Let's yeah. see. I'm, I'm curious about his uh his contract or his salary. I'm sure right now it's nothing. 2.4 million. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's no, after I'm, uh that was <laughs> with an increased uh uh yeah. thing. So I'm sure that's nothing, but you're talking about if he wins the Pac-12 one year, you know, then then you know, we're we're having a different conversation and that that two becomes five or six pretty quickly. And then if he becomes the hottest coaching name in college football, you know, maybe takes them, you know, you know, wins another Pac-12 or kind of turns things around there to a point where they're a powerhouse. It's just one of those things where you got to be it, – it's hard to pull a coach away from money now if yeah. you really, really want to keep them because yeah. all these schools yeah. have access to large sums of cash. No, you're, you're right. Uh, Oregon last year, Mario Cristobal's salary was $2.6 million. Well, after he won the Pac-12 last year, his salary is now uh, north of $5 million. So, yes. See, all yep. of a sudden, magically, it doubled overnight. Magically, suddenly we have we, we have money now. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just it's just it, it's a oh, it's a thing. It it is. You're right. You're right. So I am I am curious. I'm you know I talked about now, him last let's, year. Let's be careful before we just start counting our chickens and chalking up you know Pac-12 titles to this kid. Uh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't expect him to win a single Pac-12 title because it is almost impossible to do that in Corvallis right now. Now, obviously, Mike Riley had a lot of success there. Dennis Erickson took them to a damn Fiesta Bowl, had a 12-1 season, but he also got them on probation and all, all sorts of other stuff. So, uh, you know, it, it is very difficult to win at Oregon State, but yeah. you can see what he is capable of doing and what he's, what he's building. So, now, you know, like you talked about, you know, can you promote him to a point of failure? Like That's it, it. it's possible. It is possible. Um, last, you know, kind of headline topic before we get into our conference rundowns. Did you watch Buffalo and Kent State? I watched some of it. I had it on my main screen, and I had a field day watching Jarrett Patterson. Oh my goodness! This kid, thirty-six carries, four hundred and nine yards, eight touchdowns. Eight rushing touchdowns in this game. This was just unfreaking believable, man. I they they could not do anything with him. Oregon, uh, not Oregon State. Buffalo had five hundred and fifteen yards rushing because Kevin Marks, his backup, he averaged six point one yards per carry, and he had two touchdowns in his own right. Sixteen carries for ninety seven yards. Like this was 
a beating. And, and it's not like Kent State wasn't able to move the football or anything like that. Kent State had 45 carries for 235 yards with two touchdowns, and they threw the football 22 out of 32 for Dustin Crum, 343 yards with three touchdowns and a pick. This game was ping-pong on grass, my friend. Like, the, the Mac definitely provided some fireworks in that early window on Saturday, and this was a lot of fun to watch. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. So, um, and I, I don't typically like these offensive games, but watching them run the football and their blocking schemes and everything else, like, this Patterson kid, I think, is, is an NFL-quality guy. Like, he is, he can do everything. He's just unreal. So, uh, I don't know if you watched a whole lot of him, but he he is NFL caliber for sure. Yes, he's he's really good. At some point in time, though, you're 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 just you're just stat padding. I yeah, mean, yeah. No, I I do agree with that. Um, but man, so so like like you know in in these games, I'm, and I'm not trying to poo poo this stuff, but once the game's not competitive, and you're you know because we could do the same thing with Kyle Trask, like oh yeah, you know. Yes, he's going to have the record for most touchdowns thrown ever in the history of college football by a quarterback in a single season. Congratulations. Like, it didn't equate to the team being any better or worse than what they were. Like, you didn't need 80% of those touchdowns to win the game. Yeah. You're just you're just throwing it, it. That doesn't knock them at some point in time. You know, if the defense needs, they can't stop it. Keep doing it. I'm, I'm okay with that. But But I'm also okay with saying, you know, that's that's not the most impressive thing I saw Saturday. Yeah, no, no, that that makes sense. I mean, that eight touchdowns sense. seems like holy crap. That's amazing. Yeah, but but then you, you realize know, that they won if, by thirty nine, and it's like yeah, mm-hmm. but when you when you're kicking the shit out of somebody, and you could have given the ball to nine different people, eight different guys could have ran a touchdown in as well, and that's the thing. This is this is an offensive line complete domination. Oh yes. Now oh, now yes. that that is the big fatty in me talking, saying hey, you know. Oh, they, they had gonna, holes open. They how much are we going to blow Patterson, or how much are we going to say these guys deserve some credit? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's uh let's move into our conference rundown, and we'll start with the SEC. Uh, obviously, we are SEC centric over here. Texas A&M wins twenty to seven. LSU gets the backdoor cover. Uh, you know that that Texas A&M defense absolutely lighting them up. The A&M offense did not do hardly anything, and that LSU defense is starting to look significantly better than they did at the beginning of the season. Uh, I know this is this is your team. Tell me, tell me about your boys. What would you like? What'd you not like? Uh, I'd like to see them play a complete game where the offense and the defense get on the same page. Um, I, 
So it's hard to say we're turning the corner on offense because we're about to play the biggest offensive juggernaut in the country, and and that kind of sucks. Not you know, I'm not opposed to getting my ass whooped by a team better than us. Okay, that's just part of football. I I I'm not a fan of the rescheduling because I do think in a world in which we're supposed to play Ole Miss this week, if after coming off of that game, knowing the offensive juggernaut Ole Miss is, I, I think there's a world where we can hang with that team and we could slow that offense down. I think that these young guys that started the season playing so badly are no longer freshmen, and everybody has experience, and everybody is is better than they were when we first started the season, which is a mark of coaching. Everybody wanted to kill Pelini. He deserved to be killed early. Um, but they seem to be coming together and they seem to be learning to play this game. And it's tough to come off of a game like that where you're playing a team that's very, very well offensively coached. Very well. One of the best coached offensive football teams in the country, if not the best. And now you, and you, and you did so well against them. Oh, they made Kellen Mond look like trash. He was 11 out of 34 for 105 yards. And they made him look like trash. He, I mean, he, he made some he made some throws that were pretty damn good. Every ball was contested. I think I saw one wide open receiver the whole day. Yeah. I mean, it was every every DB cuz where we were getting killed was in the secondary. And and every DB manned up every receiver like crazy in that game. It sucks because that's you 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 can't build on that. Your congratulations, you had that game. Now you get to go get your shit kicked in by Alabama. And and if we were to turn around and play Ole Miss the way the schedule normally set up, I feel like we could have some momentum. We could have some leeway. We could have some ability to to kind of, you know, work into things. Uh, because they are still incredibly young. Oh, yeah. Um and 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 I just I wish I wish that the, the schedule hadn't gotten changed the way it did. Yeah, I'm not opposed to playing these other teams. Um, but the schedule just sets up. Offensively, terrible. yeah, we have no quarterback. We This is back to the LSU I grew up and I knew is we have no quarterback at all. Both these guys are young. They they both look identical. No, no, they don't look the same. They look as about as different as two people could look. But But their play is identical. They look like they've been coached their entire lives by the same person. Yeah, T.J. Finley, 9 out of 25, 118 yards, two interceptions, one of which was returned for a touchdown in the third quarter. Uh, if it, if not for A&M having Isaiah Spiller, uh, they may not have scored in this game. 27 carries, uh, 141 we, yards. Hang on. We, we shut Isaiah Spiller down compared to everybody else in the country. Agreed. I mean, he he still had 5.2 yards per carry. He had one long one of 52 yards. Uh, I was just about to say, you take, the five, you take the 52-yarder and you take his biggest loss away, and he's got almost nothing. Yeah. No, it, that's you're 100 Take away right. his best and take away his worst, and he's got almost nothing. So, Kellen Mond, who who typically can make up for uh, inefficiencies in his passing game uh, by by running the football, he only had seven carries for 27 yards. Uh, didn't, didn't do a whole lot. Like, it, this was... A defensive battle in a game that had a total of sixty-four points uh, on the books. So it was it was not expected, but it was entertaining to say the least. Uh, rolling through the rest of the SEC, Florida handled Kentucky thirty-four to ten. These uh, these Florida slow starts uh, could be a little concerning. Now they're able to get it turned around in the second half. It's, it's not really that big of an issue, but you know Kyle Trask three more touchdowns, twenty-one out of twenty-seven, two hundred fifty-six yards. Nothing crazy. Kyle Pitts had three touchdowns. 
uh, 99 yards receiving on five receptions. Georgia, 45-16 to 16 over South Carolina. This was a bloodbath early, and all of these people on Twitter that were just, you know, oh, look at how much better this Georgia offense looks with JT Daniels and blah, 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 blah. And it's not that he played bad, but my God, he, he threw the ball 16 times. He had one interception out of it. He was 10 out of 16, 139 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. This was a running showcase. Uh, James Cook had six carries for 104 yards and two touchdowns. Zamir White, 13 carries, 84 yards and two touchdowns. Kenny McIntosh, nine carries for 79 yards. And uh, Dejon Dewan, I, I don't even know how to say it, Edwards, I'd never even heard of this kid's. Uh, 14 carries, 77 yards in this. They ran the ball 46 times for 332 yards. That's 7.2 a clip and four touchdowns. This was not because of JT Daniels. Georgia fans are so pathetic. It's so sad. You just beat the hell out of the the second worst team in the SEC. Whose, whose players have, have openly just decided they yeah. ain't playing no, anymore. They're the second worst team in the SEC, and that's only because Vanderbilt is in the SEC, and they're the worst Power 5 team in the country. Yes. Okay. You shut down Illinois Kevin Harris and Rutgers would beat the hell out of Vanderbilt right now. The worst <laughs> team in the in the in the ACC would be a two touchdown favorite over Vanderbilt right now. Okay. Yeah. Like this is that, that's that's the only reason. And you beat the hell out of them, and and you're all chesty, and you get all poofed up. Mississippi State, who's the worst team in the West, went there with 49 scholarship players and 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 came a ball hair away from from beating your ass. And and. It, honestly, like Georgia has not a whole lot left on this on this schedule. No, right? they're going to play nobodies. They, Congratu- they've got, congratulations. They've got Every Vanderbilt team, and they've got Missouri left. Yeah, and that's it. And uh, Missouri, I, I would tell you this: be be real careful. They better they they might want to get a touch of the Rona before that Missouri game. <laughs> well, they already had to postpone it once. <laughs> I'm telling you, just don't play the damn thing. Now you're right. You're right. Uh, Vandy, because that Missouri team will come in and whoop your ass if hey, you keep this shit up. Missouri did whip some ass. Uh, 41 to nothing over Vanderbilt. Everybody watched this game at least for a little bit, trying to figure out, well, can Vandy at least get in the field goal range so that Sarah Fuller can make her history? And she did make history, but she had to do it in the second half when she got to kick off. And that's it. That's the only chance she got to see the field because Vandy did not even get into field goal range. Uh, Vandy, for as much as they have been fighting over the last however many weeks, they could do nothing. And it, I don't know that it is because uh, Missouri is, is that great on defense, but it, their team was just not set up for this game today uh, or yesterday. Ken Seals, 11 out of 18 passing, 79 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Mike Wright, 4 out of 6 for 24 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, They ran the ball 36 times for 82 yards. They could never get into field goal range. Sarah Fuller never got a chance to uh, kick a field goal. But it was history, and it was kind of cool. You know, we both have daughters, and it it was nice to see this. You know, first ever woman playing in a Power 5 football game, and it was kind of cool, you know. Like the yeah. kick was uh, was weird. Like I don't know why they had her do I don't, that. I don't. I, I wish they'd let her boom it out of the end zone. Just let her let her haul off and kick the shit out of it. Like yeah. 
and then everybody tries to like patronize her by by explaining it away like oh well she's a soccer player and she could place the football anywhere she wants it and they didn't have any other kicker so they don't want her to take a chance of tackling somebody so they do this squib kick where she put it exactly where she wanted the football you know what all she has she also has one of the strongest legs we've ever seen just just let her kick in college football if the ball goes into the end zone, you're not allowed to bring it back out. It's an automatic touchback. Yeah, or out of so the back let her of it kick anyway. The yeah. what, let her kick the ball through the uprights from yeah. the 50. Like, let her just knock the shit out of it. <laughs> and once it goes into the end zone, it's a touchback. Congratulations. We did the same thing, and we got to see her actually kick the ball. Yes. Like, I, but this is, this is Franklin. Franklin can't even do something historic without fucking it up. You, you mean uh, Derek Mason? Mason, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, still you, thinking of James Franklin out there. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, Mississippi uh, State and Ole Miss, the Egg Bowl. We saved the uh, uh, the best. This was the best game of the weekend. <laughs> all was, platforms, all conferences, this was the best game of the weekend. It was fun. I, I, I will admit that. I did enjoy watching this. Egg Bowl is back, baby. Uh, will Rogers for Mississippi State, 45 out of 61, 440 yards passing with three touchdowns. That's a true uh, freshman, and he is going to be something fierce. That yeah. dude was dropping dimes. He was putting the ball in perfect, perfect placement all night long. I was I haven't seen somebody throw with that accuracy in a long time. When it needed touch, he had touch. When it needed zip, he had zip. And it was perfect. Yes. He played insanely well. Uh it cost you a cover, but uh but they it cost got down me a there cover. They, I was okay with it. Didn't yeah. even give a damn. I I had so much fun watching this game. Darian Ely 18 carries for 93 yards. <laughs> Snoop Connor only 6 carries on this game. Uh, for 22 yards, Henry Parrish had eight carries for 36. Matt Corral, 24 out of 36, passing 385 yards, two touchdowns, and uh, and it was back and forth. I mean, it, it wasn't as many points as a lot of people thought. I did nope. uh, I did cover my Ole Miss under team total yep. of 40. You did, um, yep. but it, you know, it, this was this was a fun ball game. Like this offenses a, that are able to move the ball, but it's not scoring every other play. It's not nope, a defense is still stood up. Defense yeah. is still made plays. Um, and let me tell you my favorite part about this game when it was over with, knowing that that's the two worst rosters these teams are ever going to have. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, Mississippi State freshman wide receiver Jaden Wally had nine receptions for 176 yards. Wally, uh, Rogers good. to Wally is going to be a thing. That's going to be a problem that the SEC is going to figure out for, for the next at least two years. Oh, yeah. And then they've got a sophomore, Jorquarius Spivey. He had five receptions, 97 yards. Uh, this was this was fun, man. I mean, they, they had guys that are going to be on the roster next year that, you know, it showed out in this game. Mississippi State went into this game. We talked about how they went to Athens with 49 scholarship athletes. They went into this game with 40. Yeah, well, it, it, I thought it was at 40 or 43. It was or, supposed to be 40. I think it was supposed to be 43, and I think they lost three before the game started. That is insane. Uh, I heard the number forty on on the broadcast, so how crazy I would think that, that they have better a- information than I do. That's insane. Yeah, that's and they fight like hell. They fight like hell. That, and so everybody kind of poked fun and thought the Mississippi State season was over and all that uh, because you know did not this, quit. They they were they were purging the roster, right? Isn't yes. that isn't that what uh, Mike Leach said? Yeah, and and get the guys out of here that don't want to play that are that are making it toxic. Get them out of yep. here, and and it's actually kind of addition by subtraction. Like now, they are I, I, I hope 
I hope that state fans are the way that they finish the season gives them a little bit of encouragement to uh, on those last two games to to ride this thing out and give him some time. Um, a guy that had to do that in his his tenure at Mississippi State was Coach Croom. He took over from Jackie Sherrill, and that was a complete cesspool that he took over. and And it took it took a couple of years to get things right. And I tell people this all the time. Without Coach Croom, you don't have the success that Dan had. Dan came in there and got Mississippi State to number one in the country. He does not do that if Dan takes over from Jackie Sherrill because that place was a cesspool and it needed to be cleaned. And it took a guy like Croom coming in to clean it. Leach had this year. He, he, he got out who needed to get out. He got the guys in, and those guys that are left fight like hell. That other side of the ball, uh, Lane Kiffin's bunch, those guys have more fun playing football than any team I've seen play football ever. As a, you know, you're right about that. They do have a lot of fun. Elijah Moore was was bananas in this game. When when they're struggling, they still find a way to look like they're enjoying the game. They just that that is Lane's laid back way of of doing things. He's not the hothead. He's not the screamer and the hollerer. And and get down on you. It's always stay upbeat, stay positive, believe in your talent, believe in your part, your partners on the on the team, and, and and trusting your teammates, trusting yourself, and just and always stay positive. When when it's not going good as a fan, you kind of want somebody to get their ass chewed out sometimes, but that's just not Lane's way. And and you can see it on the sidelines that everybody over there just seems to always be having fun. Yeah, no, you're you're dead on about that. Uh, State and Ole Miss both off this week. Uh, the schedule has changed for the SEC for next week. We've got A&M and Auburn still. We've got Arkansas, Missouri next week. Uh, Florida, Tennessee, of course, should be fun. Vandy, Georgia, whatever. South Carolina, Kentucky, whatever. And then Alabama, LSU at the end. Um, so the week after that, week 15, you are going to have, uh, I believe, Mississippi State and Auburn. And then you're going to have... Let's see, Alabama, Arkansas, LSU, Florida, A&M, Tennessee, and Mississippi State plays Missouri, I believe, on December 19th. So they're they're still working to get all these things scheduled, to get them all squared away, because the schedule has just kind of uh, gone gone a little crazy, I, I would say. Uh, but they're, they're trying their best to get all, all 14 teams to have 10 games each. And, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. Pretty pumped. Let's move into the Big Ten and... You know, we, we already talked about a, a couple of the big games. Let's start with a Friday game. Iowa ended up getting a, a short win over Nebraska, and I didn't see this one coming at all. Uh, Spencer Petrus, you know, he... he The turnovers, man. Like, he only had one interception, but my God, I, it just it, it ate me alive. Like, I was so irritated with this. So, um, it, Iowa didn't look great. But they got the win, 26-20 over Nebraska. Like, Nebraska looked all right. They went back to Adrian uh, Martinez, 18 out of 20 passing for 174 yards. Like, this wasn't his game, you know, that, that he lost. Uh, they just they couldn't stop Iowa when it really mattered, right? Yeah. I, it, Nebraska played a lot harder than I thought they were going to in this game. Same here. I, I didn't think they would have the ability to stop Iowa from running the football or throwing the football. And, uh, and Iowa had problems offensively. Well, I, Iowa ran the ball 45 times for 129 yards. That's 2.9 yards per carry. They could not do anything against Nebraska. And I was shocked by this. And, and on the other side, Nebraska had more success than they did running the football. 
Uh, 38 yeah. carries, 143 yards. That's 3.8 per clip. They had two touchdowns off of it. Um, you know, they, they were I able thought, to make I thought plays. there was a world Nebraska could move the ball. I didn't think they would score as much. But Iowa's defense has very much been a bend but don't break some kind of thing. And so some, so some of those you're going to get scores on. That didn't concern me so much. I just didn't know how Iowa, uh, how Nor- uh, Nebraska was going to stop Iowa from scoring. And yeah. the fact that their defense just gave them fits really, really shocked me. Yeah. Now you're you're right about that. Um, let's see. 11 a.m. game. Penn State 27, Michigan 17. And I had people asking me almost immediately, uh, "Okay, are they going to fire Harbaugh? Or uh, excuse me, fire Harbaugh now?" And I said, "No." Like, this is just a weird year, and, yeah, it sucks to lose to an 0-5 team, but it's still Penn State, you know. Like, they, Michigan still has two wins. You know, this is not the season that they expected, but, you know, they're, I, they're not awful. Cade McNamara came in, and it's exactly what we talked about. You know, he, he looked great in mop-up duty when nobody really expected him, and then he comes in in this game, 12 out of 25 passing, 91 yards. He had one carry for three yards. Uh, they ended up bringing in Joe Milton. He was one out of three, 21 yards. Milton had two carries for eight uh, eight rushing yards. Hassan Haskins ran the ball 17 times for 101 yards for Michigan. Uh, on the other side, Penn State, you know, Kevon Lee, like he just shows up out of nowhere. Like they, it, it feel like they kind of pulled him off the trash heap. 22 carries, 134 yards, one touchdown. And Sean Clifford ended up starting this game. 17 out of 28, 163 yards. He ran the ball nine times for 73 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Will Levis got uh, got one rush in there, or sorry, six for uh, 25 yards, and he had one rushing touchdown. Uh, Penn State kind of dominated this football game, and I, I don't I don't know what it means for either team. Like I think both of them are just like you know it, it, we just want to get out of the season. Like I, I think that's that's what both of them would say, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I think that that this is both these teams are just in the same spot. They're both in the exact same spot. Neither one of them are very good that they're the season has gotten away from them. It, we're out of time and, and they are just ready for the clock to run out. Indiana beats Maryland 27 to 11. Uh, this went exactly the way that I was worried it would for Maryland. You know, I, I told you beforehand, like, I love this Maryland offense. I feel great about them except that they have been off for like three weeks and this offense is predicated on timing. And if you don't have time to practice and all that, you lose that rhythm and it, this is exactly what happens. Talia Tongavaloa, 17 out of 36, 241 yards, one touchdown, three picks. Um, Indiana, this was like the emotional letdown spot. Uh, <laughs> Ohio State secondary gave up, what, 500 yards passing to Indiana yes. last week. This week, Michael Penix, 6 out of 19 passing for only 84 yards. And he ended up getting hurt on a run uh, down towards the goal line late in this game. Uh, two carries at 29 yards for him. And, you know, Jack Tuttle comes in for Indiana, 5 out of 5 passing, 31 yards. Like, they, they did what they needed to do. But, man, this was, uh, this was an ugly-ass football game. I mean, just ugly. At one point, Michael Penix was two out of fifteen passing for twenty-seven yards. Like it was, it was so putrid. Uh, not, not a fun game. Not an interesting game, really. But uh, you know, Indiana moves on to they're they're five and one. They've got Wisconsin this weekend or this weekend coming up, and then they've got Purdue. You know, if if they play like this, they ain't gonna be Wisconsin. But we have seen them play better, so. So we shall see. And then Rutgers. Uh, hang on, hang go on. Ahead. I want to talk about this game. Okay. Okay. Good. 
Um, you, you talked about, I know that it's easy to put it off on. They didn't practice. And so whatever I told you Saturday before we went and did our live show and SBR, there's a world in which Indiana's defense is way better than we're giving them credit for. Oh, no, no, no. There, there were certainly plays, like Indiana played a hell because of a game Because they defense. shut down, they gave fields fits, and they shut down this Maryland offense. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, on the other side, because I, I did, that. this was one of the, the two games that I had on, like, my two main TVs. Uh, there were spots where Tonga just missed dudes that were that were there. Like, it, he, he had open passes that were not well defended. There were spots for Maryland to be able to score more points than they did. And they and they didn't do it. And it wasn't because of Indiana. Now, a lot of the stuff, especially in the second half, was definitely Indiana. But early on in that game, Maryland should have been up probably 17-7 to 7 in that first half. Like, they, they should have been able to put points up. And, and the offense just did not, they were not in sync at all. But that's that's not to take away from Indiana's defensive performance because it, look, Indiana's defense is legit. Like we have 100% seen them do it, and I I expect them to continue to do it the rest of the season. You know, this moves them to five and one. This guarantees a winning season for them. Um, but yes, it, Maryland's Maryland's offense was out of sync, but that doesn't take away from Indiana's defense. You know, keeping them out of sync. So it, a lot of times when you're out of sync, especially in the first half. Um, you kind of get it rolling in the second half. You know, it, 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 perfect example, the Memphis SMU game. Like, we, we already talked about that before, but, you know, Memphis comes out, scores three points in the first half against SMU, and then they come back and score 24 unanswered in the second half. It, that's how it typically gets rolling, but Indiana's defense just kept them shut down. So, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you 100%. Um, I, I think, you know, you got this one out of, out of the way, right? Win your clunkers. Like, yeah. get, the, get the win in the game where you didn't play real well, uh, we'll have to see what's going on with uh, Michael Penix for next week, but you know I, we we got a shot to see a seven one Indiana, like a real legit like contender Indiana team, and uh, and they shut down a really good Maryland offense. So I this was this was a good win. You know, win the games that you got to win, and and do what you got to do. Rutgers, let's move on to that one. What the hell is going on here? Rutgers has two wins in the Big Ten. They beat Purdue thirty seven to thirty. They scored 21 points in the third quarter and then kick a field goal late. And I'm, I just, I don't know what to make of this Rutgers team. Like, they are competent. <laughs> it, it, they are certainly not the most talented team in the Big Ten. Uh, they might be the least talented team in the Big Ten. And this was a Rutgers passing performance by Arter Sitkowski. Like, it's been, it's been Noah, uh, Vondal or whatever his name is for this entire season, they have to bring in this kid. He's 18 out of 27, 141 yards, two touchdowns. This kid was putrid under the the former regime. Like, could not complete a pass, it felt like. And under Greg Schiano, he actually looks all right. Like, they scored 37 points on Purdue, who is not an awful defense, and, and Purdue couldn't really do anything. Like, Rondell Moore, seven receptions, 76 yards. David Bell, four receptions, 68 yards. Rutgers' defense actually kind of shut them down. Yeah, Rutgers' defense has been pretty impressive. Offensively, this team runs the most unorthodox offense we've ever seen. I mean, trick plays are a regular thing for them. Oh, yeah. It's just part of the game. I mean, it's just, yeah, but, like, they're not tricks. This is part of their offense. I love it. I love it so much. 
it's it's going to be hard for Shiano to get them to to be a winner again, okay? To get them to a point where they can compete in the Big Ten consistently because you're not going to have your Michigans be down forever, your Penn States be down forever. Like, you're just, it's just not going to happen. But I want so bad for Rutgers to be good and competent and competitive because I'd like to stick it up the ass of every Tennessee fan that tried to railroad this guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, we Greg Schiano is a good college coach. When when you is. when you try to railroad a guy and you openly falsely accuse him of something heinous and horrific because you don't want him to be your football coach, that's when you've crossed a line with me to where we we don't we don't get to play nice anymore. Yeah, no, that I'm I'm with you. I am with you. Let's uh let's move into the Big Twelve right quick and. We'll uh we'll start to roll through these pretty quick because we've gone we've gone long. The Big Twelve. Uh, let let's talk about first. All right, so TCU fifty nine twenty three over Kansas. Whatever. Uh, the least expected score out of this entire conference was Oklahoma State fifty to forty four over Texas Tech. That Oklahoma State defense, uh, just didn't show up at all, and they have shown up every game sans the Oklahoma game, and even that one they had some stops in. Uh, they didn't show up at all in this game. Alan Bowman was 30 out of 45, 381 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Desmond Jackson, because Chuba Hubbard did not play, Desmond Jackson got the start at running back. 36 carries, 235 yards, and three touchdowns. Like, it, it kind of <laughs> makes you wonder, like, should he have been playing? Because Chuba had looked good all year. I know, because Chuba hasn't been good. This Oklahoma State offense hasn't been good all year. And finally, it this game looked like Gundy said, give me my team back. Yeah. That's that's kind of what we tried like. doing it. We've tried doing it your way. We're going to do it my way now. Yeah, and and they said it. I mean, Tylen Wallace, seven receptions, 129 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Desmond Jackson, I just talked about him. Spencer Sanders ran the ball 15 times for 82 yards. He threw 19 out of 30 for 222 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Uh, you know, so uh, say Rod. <laughs> I don't know how to say this guy's name. Thompson from Texas Tech. He had 17 carries. For 133 yards with two touchdowns, uh, Xavier White had nine carries for 98 yards and one touchdown. They they couldn't stop the run. Like nobody could stop anybody in this ball game. So next week Oklahoma State gets to play t- TCU. I'm very curious to see which OK State team we see. Do we see the team that we've seen all season so far, or do we see this team? And then of course they've got Baylor right after that. So uh, yeah, they got Baylor to finish season. That's yeah. a that's a good transition because Kansas State went to Baylor and and had the game. And lost it right there at the end. Uh, 32-31, Baylor gets the win. Kansas State was up 17-6 to at the half. And Baylor comes out, scores, uh, you know, scores nine points in the second half. They uh, they miss a two-point conversion at the end of the third quarter, or midway through the third quarter. Uh, Will Howard comes out, t- makes it 24-15. to Then it's 24-22. Then Deuce Vaughn scores on a 38-yard run with like nine minutes left in the game to make it 31-22. And he thought, all right, well, they're up by two scores. You know, not a lot of time left. That Kansas State defense ought to be able to shut them down. Charlie Brewer gets a touchdown with four minutes left, and then they somehow get the ball back and go on down and, and kick a field goal to win the ball game with no time left on the clock. This was a fascinating game, a lot of fun. Um... I you know neither team was was great but I mean Baylor put up 420 yards on on that Kansas State defense Kansas State only 88 yards passing that's kind of what you expect out of them but 344 yards total 
This was a nice back-and-forth, interesting football game. Um, and Kansas State got the cover. We talked about that on the SBR show. I said, you know, this is the spot where you would back Kansas State. Everybody wanted to jump off the, the ship. But they, they came out and put up a hell of a performance here. I'm, I'm okay. I don't know that they put up a hell of a performance. I, they got, they got beat by another bad team. That doesn't really say they put up a hell of a performance. But okay. Well, I, I, so I will say this: they looked a hell of a lot better than they did last week against Iowa oh, State. Yeah, by not like, getting beat like thirty something to nothing. Yeah, forty five to nothing last okay, week. Yeah, and then, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's better than that. But the team that they played is significantly worse. Yeah, uh, Baylor is now two and five on the season. Um, not great, not great by any stretch of the imagination, but. Is what it is. Let's move on. Let's uh let's jump into the ACC, and it, there's not a lot to discuss with the ACC. Uh, we can start with Clemson. I guess they're the the highest ranked team. We already talked about Notre Dame, but Clemson comes out and scores 31 points in the first quarter against Pittsburgh. <laughs> like I, I could not have been more wrong on my pit plus 24. I thought Clemson was not going to be focused on this game. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett was okay. Like he wasn't awful in this game, and they they did go over to the team total of 14 and a half. So I felt good about that. But, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, 22 out of 39. He had uh, 209 yards passing, two touchdowns. But he threw four interceptions, and they were as costly as you could possibly get. Trevor Lawrence, in his return, uh, 26 out of 37, 403 yards, had two touchdowns. And then they took him out, and they put in DJ Uyangalele, 7 out of 12, 31 yards, one touchdown. Travis Etienne. Was not able to do a whole lot on the ground, but he didn't have to. 11 carries, 58 yards, two touchdowns. Um, just, you know, Clemson domination. Not a lot to discuss there. NC State got a win over Syracuse, 36-29, to and this was a stupid game. And with a stupid result, Syracuse has not put up 29 points on anybody. Like, it, it, it's just just stupid. Uh, Boston College beats Louisville, 34-27. to um, I wish that I had had that on the Tuesday show. Because it was one of my picks, but I was waiting to see if Phil Djokovic uh, was going to play. And they ruled him good to go, and he he came out and he balled. So, Boston College gets the win, and this one, a little surprising. Georgia Tech, 56-33 to over Duke. Um, man, I just, I don't know what to make of David Cutcliffe and this Duke team right now. But, you know. You think Cutcliffe retires? I, I don't think, well... I think I don't think he wants to go out this way, but man, I don't see it improving. Well, you don't have a choice on how you go out sometimes, Gary. Well, agreed. I, I don't think they're going to fire him, but I I don't think that he like I, I think if he can stick around for one more year and just see, hey, can I can I at least get this back to like bowl contention? Like I think I mean, he would he's prefer 66 to do that. years old. I and, mean, he's and, he's younger than Saban. Like he, he, yeah, but he's also not on the career trajectory of Saban. He's having to do a lot more work than Saban. Saban hires. For, like Saban's got nine former head coaches working for him right now. Yeah, that's true. That's this no, guy's right. got grad transfers working for him because Duke is a poor team when it comes to football and what they spend on their football budget. I, I would hate to see him go out after a year like this. Like I, I hope he doesn't. But I mean, it's possible. But the problem is, is if you can't recruit and get kids to come there that that are better than what you got, every year is just going to get progressively worse. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's the scary thing, right? So, like it, so, so at some point in time, you don't want to go out like this, but you you got to hang it up eventually. Yeah, it, it, I don't like. I don't think Georgia Tech is gonna all of a sudden start moving backwards. I don't think NC State is gonna move backwards. Like, no, that's the think, thing. I think Syracuse is gonna be better. We think BC is gonna be better. Like yeah. I, I, 
I think everybody's kind of going in a different direction than Duke. Yeah, I think like I think Duke Wake was great. is gonna be better unless they lose Cla- uh, uh, Clawson. Dave Clawson, yeah. So like, unless these coaches in the ACC get hired away by someone else, they a lot of other schools are going up, and Duke is is sliding down. And unless Duke drastically changes how they spend money on the on the coaching, and and get him some help with OC DCs recruiting. You know, upgrading that type facilities, of thing. like all, yes. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, I mean, they, they need they need large sums of cash. It's easy to spend a lot of money on basketball and be good at basketball because basketball is a fraction of the cost of to be a good football program. Yeah. And when I say fraction, I'm talking one is several hundred million dollars, and the other you can do for a couple million dollars. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're 100 right about that. Uh, let's move into the Pac-12 right quick. We can we can fly through this one. The Pac-12, uh, Stanford and Cal played to a 24 to 23 game, and this was uh, this was fun, you know, for a, a a Friday game, I guess. Davis Mills looked all right, 24 out of 32, 205 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Cal had their chances and could not get it done. So, is what it is. Uh, the big game it ended up not being all all that big. Uh, UCLA covers. They handle Arizona 27 to 10. Uh, don't look now, but Chip Kelly is now two and two. In the Pac-12, Arizona 0-3. This might be Kevin Sumlin's swan song. Like I, I, I don't know that they keep him around, but I, I also don't know that they want to pay him to not coach. So he might stick around one more year. But, uh, but man, Arizona just looks like the dregs, man. Uh, it, it's it's amazing to me. USC was able to make Arizona look so good, and now two straight weeks, Washington and UCLA just beat the doors off of them. So you know, I, I don't know what that means about UCLA. I don't know what it means about Arizona, but uh, UCLA got it done. The Colorado-San Diego State game, 20-10 to 10 Colorado wins. This is almost exactly what we expected, right? Um, yeah. Levante Chenault, who is LaVisca's little brother, had six receptions for 64 yards. That's fun, right? Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm looking for anything here. Uh, San Diego State, like, you know, they kind of expected to lose this game, I think, but they, they wanted to play football. But, but it moves them to 3-3, three and three, and that does not help out BYU at all. So, uh, Washington and Utah. This was a fascinating game, if only because Utah was up twenty-one to nothing at the half, and then they lose twenty-four to twenty-one by giving up twenty-four points unanswered in the second half. So Washington is three and zero now, and my God, don't you wish that you had put them on the schedule BYU because they will be ranked this week. I would almost guarantee it. Um, I don't know if they're any good or not because they hadn't exactly beaten any good teams, but uh, you know, okay, Jimmy Lake looking good at the gate. But BYU wouldn't have got that game in. No, 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 they wouldn't have. But you know, you could you could work with them even if you couldn't schedule this week. BYU still got several open weeks. So, yes, but Washington doesn't have an open week. Uh, okay, okay. Well, they, like they the do now. The only time you could have done it was last week when Washington lost their game. And BYU said, no thanks, because we're not guaranteed the game. And sure as shit, Utah lost their game. And so the Pac-12 said, Washington, you play Utah. Okay. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. So they, they would have lost. In. They would have stayed home. They would have put in the work. They would have put in the time. And then they wouldn't have got the game anyway. Yeah. Washington has Stanford but BYU and BYU did Oregon nothing left. wrong in that situation. No, no, no. You're, you're right. You're right. You're right. We, we talked about that last week. Um, but, yes, you're 100% right. Like, it's... 
I want BYU to play somebody. <laughs> like, I do I too. Need them to but play somebody them. has to give them a guaranteed contract. I I get the we're not practicing for a week for you, and then one of your other schools cocks up, and then all of a sudden we fall through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. Like I fully get that. No, that that makes sense. That makes sense. Let's uh, let's move to the AAC right quick. Uh, let's talk about Memphis right quick. Ten to seven. Ten to seven over Navy. Uh, did not look good. Scored a touchdown in the first I am, quarter. Like, I am done. I am done with Brady White being my quarterback. 18 out of 32, 205 yards, one touchdown for Brady. Uh, not great. Like Memphis, I told you, Memphis always has problems with Navy. I know but they it, always it, have problems with Navy. It wasn't Brady they White. Like it, 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 well, it, so part of it was Brady White. Like it, it, they, they should have been able to handle this. They should have been able to handle it. I watched a lot of this game. You had guys wide open that he just missed a lot. Yeah. He's he's just when he gets bad, I haven't seen a quarterback go into quicksand like Brady White. I, you know you're 100 percent right. You are 100 percent right about if that. If it's bad, he just think he ain't got it. The uh, the Friday game was UCF 58 to 46 over South Florida. This was uh, another ping pong on grass thing. Jordan McLeod for South Florida. 32 out of 46, 4 and 4 yards, 4 touchdowns. Just ridiculous. But UCF, uh, that offense just keeps on ticking. And, uh, and boy, the most surprising uh, score of the day was the halftime score in East Carolina SMU, 45-7 to at the half. It ends up 52-38, to so SMU got back in the game. Um, but, man. Sonny Dykes, you ought to have your ass whooped. <laughs> Mike, Mike Houston's team showed out. They are now 3-6 and six on the season uh, East Carolina SMU has now made it through ten games. They are seven and three, um, but man, like that's that doesn't help out uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati at all. No, no, because there there's no win to to hang your hat on with that. So I don't know. Like it's uh, not 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 good for Cincy, but uh, but entertaining in the uh, in the American. Uh, the Mountain West Conference uh, wasn't a whole lot going on here. Um, we had a ton of cancellations. Wyoming gets a big win over UNLV, 45-14. Uh, we talked about San Diego State already. Hawaii gets the late-night win over Nevada, 24-21. Uh, to and, uh, Caught up a little bit last night on that. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have the stones to play the money line, but I did take Hawaii in the, in the points. And well, we were able to get the, the hook. Like, I, I took them late, yeah. too, because it was still 7.5. And, and, and I felt good that they'd be able to keep it within a touchdown because Nevada hadn't really beaten anybody. That bad, so that's right. All they're 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 looking good, but they haven't they haven't blown anyone out. And you give me a touchdown on the island, and I'll take the island. Yep. And then of course uh, Thursday we had Utah State getting their first win of the season over New Mexico, and and just uh, at par par for the course for me uh, for this week. Sun Belt action. Well, let's go ahead and talk about our shots and a a just overwhelming performance of Texas State. Texas State has now played a full 12-game schedule. They went 2-10, and 49-14. Uh, to 14, Coastal gets that win. That moves them to 9-0. and 0. And, you know, Liberty, um, I'm not even going to talk about them at the end here, but Liberty got a big win over UMass, uh, what, 45 to nothing, I yeah. believe. Um, so that, that we'll have 9-1 and 1 Liberty against 9-0 and 0 Coastal Carolina, and that is going to be a massive game next week. A massive, massive game that a lot of people aren't going to pay attention to for whatever reason, but uh, but they should because this is going to be a, a fun fun ball game. Georgia State gets a win, thirty to twenty four over Georgia Southern. Louisiana, a Billy Napier, seventy points hung up on ULM, and they they don't play ULM often. This used to be kind of a heated rivalry. Yeah, it uh, used to be a big rivalry, and now they don't play each other very often. Now, man, oh yeah, 
they probably not going to schedule that game for a while. No, 70-20 to 20 in that one. South Alabama gets a win over Arkansas State. For all the promise that Arkansas State showed early in the season, they are now 1-6 in the Sun Belt. They got a win over Kansas State and played close <laughs> against Memphis, and they go 1-6 in the Sun Belt. They are 3-7 on the season. South Alabama moves to 4-6. 38-31, South Alabama wins that one. App State, I thought they might be a little hungover after last week because nope. they lost to Coastal. No hangover whatsoever. They destroy Troy. That's a good rhyme, right? Good rhyme. So I like teams coming off of big, hard losses. I would always think the team that won the big-time game is due for a hangover, but never the team that lost the big-time game. You think so? Yeah, I always liked it. I, mean, I don't know if there's any science or logic to it. I mean, or, you know, any any history to back that up, numbers to back that up. But I would rather take the team that lost the big-time game because they got the red ass. They want to get back on the horse. Whenever you get knocked down, you want to get up as quickly as you can. You want to get back to work. Whenever you win, you like to celebrate. Yeah, that's a, okay, so that is a, a valid point. 47-10 and, 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 and was the – I had one coach that used to always tell me, Chris, you ain't never going to be in trouble for celebrating because women weaken legs and women don't like you. Yeah. No, that's a, you, you're right about that. Uh, so that, 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 that was always the problem. That I, is, is I think that I, take, I like the winners. I like the losers of those games more than I like the winners. Uh, Louisiana, of course, is 6-1 and one over on the Sun Belt West. Uh, so they've kind of wrapped that one up. Coastal now at 7-0. and oh, they, they have wrapped up, up. The, the East. So we will have we, Coastal and Louisiana again. Uh, yeah, no matter the outcome of the of the Liberty game. You got that right. But, uh, but hey, we do have a good one coming up this week. We've got Louisiana and App State. So, interesting Man, football. That's, yeah, that's going to be a good game, too. Yeah, you got so we that got right. So, we're going to have two really good uh, G5 games. games. Yeah, no, we, we have certainly got that. So, I'm, I'm pumped about it. Uh, the MAC, we already talked about Buffalo. Central Michigan scored 25 points in the fourth quarter to come back and beat Eastern Michigan on Friday, 31-23. to 23. Uh, I had the over in this game. The over did not hit. I, I was shocked because Central Michigan only scored six points through the first three quarters. Thanks a lot, Jim McElwain. We appreciate you. Uh, Western Michigan, 30-27 to 27 over Northern Illinois, and this was a disastrous performance because Western Michigan had been hanging an average of 49 points a game, and it took 10 points in the fourth quarter for them to be able to come back and get this win. Ohio destroys Bowling Green, 52-10. to 10. Uh, Ball State upset Toledo. So all this talk about Jason Candle and whatever. I, I saw guys talking about Jason Candle for the Michigan job. Well, Toledo is now 2-2 two and two in the MAC. Like, I, what, what are we even talking about? They had to score 15 points in the fourth quarter just to get it to a, a respectable number. So Miami of Ohio beats uh, Akron 38-7. So that is what it is. Uh, and then finally, we'll close out with Conference USA. Uh, UAB did not get to play, and that sucked. Um, basically... Nobody got to play. Like a, the the SM, or Southern Miss uh, UAB game was canceled on Friday. The uh, Florida Atlantic Middle Tennessee game was postponed. The UTEP Rice game was canceled. Louisiana Tech Florida International was canceled. The only game that got played was UTSA dominating North Texas forty nine to seventeen. And now we have Tuesday football. Tuesday brunch football at nine thirty a.m. Central Time. We got Western Kentucky going up against my boy Will Healy and the Charlotte Forty ers So. You know, it, the the week is not done yet, but, I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get it. All right, that is going to wrap up the recap. Is there anything that I missed that you wanted to talk about topic-wise? Nope. Nope. All right, let's get out of here. I'm going to go eat breakfast and pour another cup of coffee. Good gracious, what a week.
What a damn week. And we still got several more to go. So uh, that is our week 13 recap. We appreciate you for joining in and listening and all that. I know that these are long, but uh, but we want to hit the whole landscape and uh, and discuss exactly what has happened throughout all of the college football universe. And you guys afford us that opportunity, and we certainly appreciate it. So share the show out. Tell your friends. Make sure you are subscribed if you were listening for the first time. Leave a nice five-star review over on Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast app is if they allow you to do so. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday are the live shows, YouTube, Periscope, Twitch, and Facebook. You can always subscribe at any one of those. And, uh, and go over to winningcureseverything.com. Our college football gambling content is going to be over at sbrpicks.com slash NCAAF. Sportsbook reviews at YouTube page. Just search out SBR Picks. Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday mornings will be over there, uh, Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. And Monday is the opening line show. So lots of places you can get us. We do a lot of shows every single week, but, uh, but we enjoy it, man. We love football, and we are glad that we are getting some games. And now it's time for some NFL. So we are going to head out of here. Uh, Chris, I appreciate you doing this every single week. It's a lot of fun. This is uh, this is great. So, you guys take care of yourself, take care of each other, and uh, and let's cash some tickets next week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures at Gary WCE or at Chris B Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.